Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I didn't even think- First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, Birds fans, this is Connor from Eagles Unfiltered here, and we have a surprise for you. We have agreed to a sponsorship with Manscaped, and that comes with a promo code that you can benefit from. Enough letting your long cocks hide behind that Sumalu bush. Take care of your Dickerson and protect it from sweat by using promo code GOBIRDS for 20% off your order plus free shipping on Manscaped.com. That's 20% off your order plus free shipping on all Manscaped products by using promo code GOBIRDS. That's capitalized everything. G-O-B-I-R-D-S. No spaces at all. Go birds slay your lady with a clean balls act and enjoy manscapes miles of products through eagles unfiltered sponsorship a deal so good it hurts again head to manscape.com and say go birds for 20 percent off plus free shipping your balls will thank you all right thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of eagles unfiltered featured on the Blev Podcast Network and powered by Bet Online AG, the only betting website that you should be using for all your sports betting needs. That's Bet Online AG. Co-host Connor Mahills here with my co-host Ed Crass. Ed, the game's postponed. You know, we're recording on a Sunday, which is so weird. This feels yeah. incredibly weird to me. I should have a beer in my hand right now. I but we're recording right now and we're going to talk Eagles football because the game is on Tuesday. The NFL has postponed the game. At the disadvantage of the Eagles, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about why are Eagles fans crying? Why are Eagles players crying? Uh, do they really want to have an easy win? Does that look that that stuff is ridiculous to even focus on that? It's so clear as day why these players are upset. And the fans take to it because they know why these players are upset. And if you're an Eagles fan and you've been watching this team go through injuries these last couple of years, you should be really freaking upset that they're playing three games in 13 days, just like these players are. So uh, I don't care that Washington's getting all these guys back. You know, would I prefer Washington? Would I prefer an easy win as a fan? Of course. I mean, seven to seven, they need to make this playoff run. But I also in an evaluation year, you know, I'm trying to see what Nick Sirianni can do. This is his first matchup against the Washington football team and Ron Rivera, who I respect a lot. You know, I want to see what Nick Sirianni and and this Eagles football team can do against this Washington football team who they struggled with last year. So, you know, I, I don't care that Washington's getting all these guys back from COVID. You know, that's hats off to the Eagles, Ed. Hats off to the Eagles for how they've handled COVID this year. I'll just say that because Washington football team has handled it embarrassingly. 
Their head coach mm-hmm. is going through cancer and he had to come out and call out the team during the offseason for not getting vaccinated. You know, whatever your prefer- preference is on the, vac- on the vaccine, that's fine. I'm just saying, you know, you're around somebody with cancer. You, you should take care of yourself to make sure that you're putting that person in the best position to be safe uh, in their environment. That's just my opinion on it. And yours is whatever yours is. No, and but, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that opinion. But the Washington football team is suffering from their, you know, actions towards this COVID stuff. And so is the NFL. And so is everybody else. But the Eagles, hats off to them. And hats off to whoever's in charge of all this stuff right now. Because uh, I know... Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. That's the only guys off the top of my head I could think of that have COVID this year for the Eagles. Might be missing uh, a few. Yeah, I think Suopetta. Um, you know, Suopetta, were- yeah, yeah, Suopetta did have COVID. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to really look look back and it's see hard. who. Look, you know. Quez Watkins now. I mean, you yeah, know. Quez Watkins and Jason Huntley. That's right. I forgot about those two. Um, <laughs> look, it's an outbreak in the NFL. There's an outbreak in sports. They're traveling more than the average human being travels. Professional athletes do. They're putting themselves at risk regardless if they're vaccinated or not. This is something that the NFL was going to face regardless. But my problem is you handled it a certain way last year. And I'm talking about that Denver game. Mm -hmm. But you're changing it this year on a dime. It doesn't make sense. And then you're not the three teams. uh, Eagles. Seattle, um, Chicago, Chicago are the three teams that have to suffer and play three games in 13 days. That's ridiculous. I think one has to play three and 12. Like that's, that's unfair for these players and their conditioning. And the, we're supposed to be, you know, the league is harping on player safety. How is that keeping the players safe? Well, you know, listen, I I don't know. I know the Eagles are pretty irate and they were, trying to get this game on Monday if they had to move it at all. You know, they got word less than 24 hours after they were supposed to kick off that it was going to be changed till Tuesday. And, you know, that kind of screwed up everything for them. Now they have to kind of figure out what to do with these next couple of days, how to prepare. It's really kind of uncharted territory, except when you go back to 2010, when the Eagles got moved to a Sunday night uh, against the Vikings. And that was because of a snowstorm. And, you know, there have only been, I think, three games played. This will be the third and fourth game because there's another game Tuesday night uh, since 1946. One of those was the Eagles in 2010 against Joe Webb and the Vikings. They lost. It started a three-game losing streak to lose out the season. They were still in the hunt for a playoff bye. They yeah, we could have gone the whole show without bringing up Joe Webb. We could have went the <laughs> yeah, whole show. Yeah, and it wasn't really even Joe Webb. I mean, it was if you look at that game, I mean, Michael Vick had three turnovers. He fumbled twice, one – was re- uh, returned 45 yards for a touchdown by Antoine Winfield. Adrian Peterson ran for 118 yards. I mean, Webb only threw for 190-plus yards. It didn't throw any interceptions, but, you know, it was more than just Joe Webb. Um, everybody calls it the Joe Webb game because he was the backup, but there was a lot more in play than just him. Um, <clears throat> but then, you know, last year the Titans and the Bills played a game on a Tuesday night because of COVID. Uh, now we're going to have two more on the, you know, Tuesday night this week. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's very fair for the Eagles just from a health standpoint and, and the other teams, the, the Seahawks, uh, you know, because the Rams and the Washington uh, and Cleveland, they couldn't take care of their own business in-house. They couldn't contain anything because I don't know how many players were unvaccinated, but Washington was the lowest vaccinated team in the record going into the, in the league going into the season last summer. So, 
it, it's not a coincidence. I don't think that Washington was hit hard with uh, the COVID outbreak because of how they handled the whole thing. So, you know, now you have a league that's kind of taking mercy on these teams at the expense of other teams. And, you know, it makes you wonder if this was Jerry Jones or, you know, uh, Robert Kraft or some of these other NFL owners, uh, if would Roger Goodell have moved their games to Tuesday? I, I don't know. But, you know, it was Jeffrey Lurie. He doesn't have as much sway as those other two owners. So it's like, well. Dan you know, Snyder has dirt on Roger Goodell. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, now the players have to adjust and they have to figure out a way to keep their bodies tight and right for uh, a, a turnaround in just five days against, you know, the New York Giants. And, you know, it's a shame, Connor, because these were the only two games in a row that the Eagles got to play at home this season. You know, it's their only two straight games at home. And now here you're going to play them within, you know, a five day span with four days rest. And, uh, you know, and you think of the fans who, you know, I had I, a brother-in-law had tickets to the game Sunday and it got moved to Tuesday. So, you know, he's coming in from, you know, three, almost three hours. And now he's got to kind of juggle his schedule uh, to, to make it right to go to the game Tuesday. So, you know, I, I think the NFL was wrong in doing this. I mean, they, you know, maybe they should have done it. Had they done it maybe Thursday or Friday, you know, but but just right before the day before the uh, or two days before the game, had they done it Thursday, maybe I don't know if it would have been any better. But, uh, you know, I just I feel like the game should be played. And, you know, I, I don't care if Washington's at half strength or full strength, whatever. I mean, Alex Singleton talked about that you know, the most dangerous player is the next man up player because he's the hungriest. He's the one that wants to go out and prove that he belongs in the league. He's the one that's been there sitting in meetings, practicing every day. And then when game day hits, he's either inactive or he's sitting on the sidelines. So, you know, he talked about that situation and yeah, you know, the Washington would have had a very depleted team, but you know, you play the hand you're dealt. And if you can't play the hand you're dealt, then you forfeit both teams lose money. So be it unprecedented times you move on that's all we can do right now is just move on but it's just an unfortunate event that you know the team the the higher vaccinated rate teams that aren't going through it so much are being punished due to the other teams not doing because you know feel how you feel about the vaccine like i said earlier that's up to you i'm not getting into that personal debate of the politics behind it but when you're in professional sports and there's an alternative to help keep you safe through these travels and you know it's, forget about yourself for a second because well, everything I hear about sports, it's about the team. It's about team. It's not about you. So there was an alternative out there to prevent your team from having a disadvantage competitively, and you chose and you opted not to do it. And this is the, the outcome of it so far. So that's yeah. my problem with it. And that and my problem with it is Jason Kelsey's banged up. Jalen Hurts is banged up. The Eagles have had you know really bad injury history luck. They're trying to figure it out with with right guard right now. We don't know when Brandon Brooks is going to be back. We're filling in with Nate Herbig for the meantime. Like a lot of stuff is up in the air with this Eagles team and injuries. And now we're jamming in their games, three games in 13 days. That's just not a good formula. And it's tough. I mean, Nick Sirianni's first year, man. He, you know, this, yes, he's improved. Yes, the progress has been shown lately, but uh, you keep stacking the cards against them. It's going to be tough to overcome. So that's just my issues with it. That's all it is. Yeah, <clears throat> you know it's hard. It's hard to disagree. You know, it, it's funny because I woke up this morning and I'm thinking, oh, I got to get ready to go to the game, and I'm like, oh, right. And there's like a, a 
second and a half where I'm thinking, oh, I got to get ready to go. And then it didn't happen. You know, it's just a weird feeling to, and it's, you know, playing on Tuesday night's a strange deal anyway. Uh, you know, it's just not what players are used to doing. Um, you know, it'll be, and it'll be interesting to see how many players Washington does get back for this game or, you know, you hope that the Eagles, I mean, that's what is a slippery slope for the NFL. You start pushing games back. Now what happens if the Eagles were to have eight players test positive on Monday, uh, and then they get shut down. Then what? You know, I mean, it's just it, to me, it, once you start pushing games, it becomes a slippery slope for the NFL. And I will say this now, what what this has kind of led to is an agreement to begin testing just players who are feeling ill who, or who self-report as having symptoms, you know, sore throat, fever, sniffles, whatever. And then you get tested. They're going to stop testing players who are healthy, you know, who are asymptomatic, you know, which in, in the past, that wasn't the case. They were testing everybody, whether you felt well or not, and you could feel great. And, and Ron Rivera even said that when we talked to him on Wednesday, uh, that, you know, half his team, half the guys that are on the COVID list are, are fine. They feel fine. You know, they just happen to test positive for whatever it is, but they don't have any symptoms. And that's what the NFL now is going to do. They're only going to test, uh, players who are exhibiting symptoms are not going to just blanket test everybody. And I think that's how we get to the finish line with this NFL season, because you start testing healthy guys and they might have it in them and, and they test positive. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're out, but they feel fine. So I, I guess that's the one positive from this is kind of that policy change uh, that the NFL implemented over the weekend that they're only going to test guys that are uh, showing symptoms. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just asking this off completely random. Is it because there's false positives? Well, I, I just I just think, you know, maybe you're carrying the virus, but you're fine and you're healthy. And, and, and this Omicron variant or whatever it is doesn't sound like it's that serious. And again, whatever your feelings are on this, I mean, but it doesn't sound like it's that serious if you're vaccinated. Now, unvaccinated po- players in the NFL, it's unchanged. You're still going to get tested every day, even if you feel fine. It's only the vaccinated players that are only going to be tested if they feel bad. So if you're not vaccinated, like probably a lot of guys on Washington are, then you're still going to get tested every day, even if you feel 100%. But it's the vaccinated guys where that status on testing is going to change. Got it. Got it. All right, let's roll on into this. You know, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play on Tuesday. I have this feeling that he's not going to play. And, I, you know, John McMullen, our colleague, said this during the week, and it's stuck with me ever since because I think he's absolutely dead on right with it. Nobody has looked at it at this perspective, but I think the Eagles evaluate Jalen Hurts a little bit differently than they evaluate other quarterbacks in the past. And I go back to the Michael Vick era. You know, he was the complete dual threat for this Eagles team when he was the quarterback of this team. When he was injured, they had to view his injuries differently, and they had to keep him out for longer periods of time than they might have kept out Don McNabb or maybe Carson Wentz. Uh I think the same could be said for Jalen Hurts. You know, his mobility is such a huge factor into it. It's not just him being the quarterback. His mobility is what's going to win you games or keep your offense going. Uh, the ankle injury is tough. Like you said last week on the episode, that's a tough injury to deal with when you're such a mobile quarterback as Jalen Hurts is. So with three games in 13 days, if they don't feel that they, if they, if they filled off the Eagles, not Jalen Hurts, because we obviously saw last week what that meant. If the Eagles feel that the ankle is not 100%, I don't think they're going to play him. I think they're going to play Gardner, especially against this Washington team that's ravaged with COVID right now. Yeah, you know, I could see that now because you turn around and you play Washington again. You play them Tuesday, and then you turn around in 13 days, I guess it is, and you play them again. 
uh, on a Sunday and, you know, maybe mix it up, you know, give him a look at Minshew and then maybe that's the Hurts game when he returns. Uh, but, you know, Nick Sirianni on Friday was really optimistic that uh, Jalen Hurts was going to play, that he was trending in the right direction. They put him through a pre-practice workout uh, and he kind of checked all the boxes in that workout. And then he went out on Friday and he got most of the snaps and what was pretty much a walkthrough. So that's kind of hard to gauge, you know, the snap count and all that stuff. But, you know, he did get most of the snaps on Friday. And if you're the starting quarterback, that's what happens is you're going to get the bulk of those snaps on Friday. So I think the Eagles were pretty confident <clears throat> that he was going to play on Sunday. So, you know, they could sit him Tuesday if it's not like you said, because of his mobility. If he's only 85 percent, you know, that 15 percent could make a big difference in the way he moves around. And, you know, I saw practice on Thursday and Friday and, uh, you know, he wasn't moving that well when we saw him. You know, the team would go through their stretching on Friday and we only saw five minutes on Friday and 15 minutes on Thursday. But whenever the team went through those side to side drills, you know, moving laterally, Hertz just walked straight ahead forward like he wasn't doing those side to side. So, you know, either he's a great actor and he's going to win a daytime Emmy for his performance in front of the media, showing that, you know, he's you know, he's a little bit hindered uh, or he actually is. Uh, you know, that's why it was such a surprise to hear Sirianni talk so glowingly about Hertz and being ready. He's hopeful and he's trending in the right direction. So. Um, or it could have been a smoke screen. It's just so hard to figure out. But based on what I saw, Hertz did not look ready enough to play, but Sirianni told a different story. So who knows what's going to happen Tuesday? I mean, the silver lining to this postponement is, yeah, it gives him another two days to get that ankle right, and maybe that helps make a difference because the Eagles want to play Hertz uh, when he's healthy. Oh, um, yeah. He's their guy. He's the one they want to evaluate. Uh, but if he can't move around in the pocket, one of his strengths, if he can't extend plays because – you know, and Nick pointed this out is, you know, yeah, the offense was a little different. Minshew was able to complete those little check down throws that went for eight yards, whereas maybe Hurst doesn't complete them, but he can pick up eight yards with his legs. So what difference does it make how you do it as long as you pick up the yards? And if Hurts can't do that, then they'll go with Minshew to take those little check down throws. I uh, looked down at my phone and I started laughing because Washington football team activated Cam Sims and Daniel Wise off the COVID list. They're pretty much going to have their, their team back, yeah. majority of the team back by Tuesday. So, yeah. Well, you know, and that's what you want. For sure. Yeah, you want strength on strength. You want teams to be. I mean, this is this, this is an important game. I mean, maybe not yeah. so much for the Seahawks and Bears. They're, I think they're pretty much eliminated at this point. But you know, Eagles and Washington are still in the hunt here for a wild card spot. And you know, you want you know both teams to be a, as close to 100 percent as they can be, and and then see who the better team is, and then you come back and do it again. And what was supposed to be two weeks has now been shortened. But you know. These are important games, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad Washington's getting healthy. I don't like the way the NFL handled it, though. No. You know, everybody always has to think there's a reason behind everything, but it's a win-win if Gardner Renshaw starts with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts is in, behind the wings and gets healthy. Yeah. Um, the reason why I say that is because only the only thing that the Eagles can do from this point going forward is put a price tag on Gardner Renshaw's head. And the better he plays in another system, uh, only accelerates that. Because you know he did his numbers in Jacksonville suggest that he's good enough to start. Um, if he goes into a new system with the foot of like he is right now with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he produces still at a level where he's putting the team in position to win games, uh, noticeably like he did against the Jets, teams are going. I mean, look, the Panthers came calling 
before Minshew even started a game for the Eagles. Um, now he's just only boosting his trade value, going into a different offense. In the middle of, towards the end of the season, um, he was wearing street clothes majority of the season for the Eagles. So now he's towards the end of the season. He's picking up the playbook like that. And he's, you know, he played well against the Jets. If he plays well against Washington, boom, you're just raising that trade value. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to trade him, but it's always good to gauge the market. You yeah. know, Howie Roseman will always answer the phone. If some team offers a second for Gardner Minshew, guess what? Ooh. They're going to take it. I know Absolutely. that's rich. Yeah, Absolutely that is, rich. Absolutely yeah. rich. But I'm just saying, if he, it's a win-win for the Eagles because they know Jalen Hurts is their guy. I know this town can't handle any type of quarterback controversy, but they don't think Gardner Minshew is their guy. I can confidently say that. They don't think Gardner Minshew is going to be their future starting quarterback of this team. Do they think he could be their future backup of this team? Absolutely, and I think so too. Hey, there's nothing wrong with keeping Gardner Minshew next year. No, but yeah, he keeps playing well, raises his price tag, raises the value. The Eagles, you know, maybe they move up in this. I don't think they're going to draft three players in the first round. I'll tell you right now. I think they're either going to move up for one or trade that or trade it for next year. Have another 2023 uh, pick next year. I don't think they're going to draft three players in the first round. I'll tell you right now. So. Keep yeah. raising Gardner Minshew's trade value. It's nothing wrong with it. It is nothing wrong with it at all. And Jalen Hurts is a, this dual threat you perceive him as. If his mobility is on 100%, then he's not, he won't be as 100% effective. And if he's not 100% effective, I want Gardner Minshew out there. He's a, uh, Minshew's an attractive commodity for other teams because, um, you know, he's still on his rookie contract next year and he's, yeah. uh, he's less, making less than a million dollars. So, you know, if another team kind of views him as maybe a bridge quarterback to somebody, if a team drafts a, a quarterback, um, you know, early in the draft and they want someone to come in to kind of kind of be the bridge to him, uh, to that quarterback they take, they've taken, um, then then that's that's great. You know, that plays. They can take Eagles. advantage of the Panthers in the offseason. The Jets took advantage of the Panthers. The Eagles can, too, especially yeah. if they decide to give Matt Rule one more year. Mm-hmm. The Eagles can definitely take advantage of the Panthers in the offseason, especially look, they have all those corners over there. You know, the, the Panthers loaded up at corner. They have they have draft commodity. Uh they could take advantage of the Panthers if it came down to it in the offseason. It's funny, the Eagles have loaded up on corners too. It's just, you know, we really haven't seen them. You know, they bottom of the depth and- chart, guys. I'm, I need I need a guy to replace David Nelson if they decide to do so. Well, yeah, I I mean, listen, I, I don't know who Carolina has that would step in and replace him. I don't, I'm not familiar with their depth, but, uh, CJ Henderson, <laughs> yeah, maybe the Broncos have somebody, the Broncos are pretty loaded at that spot too. And the Broncos could be in the mix for a, a quarterback bridge, but I think they're going to probably bring in a heavy hitter yeah. like an Aaron Rodgers. Um, so well, I, the point, uh, point being in a, in a yeah. starving quarterback market, all the Eagles are doing. If Gardner Minshew starts is not creating quarterback controversy, like Philadelphia obsesses over, it's just simply, we don't feel confident in Jalen Hurts being 100% yet, and there's nothing wrong with Gardner Minshew playing well because no. all it does is just boost his trade value. It's right. a win-win. And, and, and hopefully it helps the Eagles win a game because it's, these are big games. I mean, Oh, they can win with Gardner Minshew. I have no doubt. My, if they can win with Jalen Hurts the way he's been playing this year, they can win with Gardner Minshew. It's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, but it, it, your theory on Hurts not playing Tuesday is an interesting one because that could very well be the case. Uh, you know, because to they me, have to look at it differently now than they did before. Because the, the, that ankle, I keep saying it over and over again because it, it is daunting. I don't think people really have have soaked have let this thing in yet. Three games in thirteen days 
is not ideal at all. Like, and they let's let's completely forget the fact that they just had a late bye week already. I don't think they're that rested. Well, they haven't played. They haven't played since what December fifth against the Jets. Was that when that game was? And now they're not going to step on the field again until what's Tuesday the twenty twenty first. I mean, that's that's a long Long time time. off. And then you're jamming everything together in at once. It's 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 a recipe for disaster. That's why I think you need to evaluate Jalen Hurts' injury differently. Jason Kelsey is struggling to finish games. You know. The Jordan Howard's banged up, and he was very vital to this rushing attack. Miles Sanders was banged up. He's coming back strong for this rushing attack. He just balled out against the Jets. You well, know, that's maybe where these two days help for Miles Sanders with the ankle, and for Jordan Howard, who was all go. He was set to go and play on Sunday. He was he practiced uh, most of the week, and um, you know, another two days certainly isn't going to help or hurt his knee. I mean, he's going to be fine. So. That's how I think the Eagles are going to win this game anyway is by running. Oh, absolutely. Like they have. I mean, they've run for over 175 yards in the last six games. First Eagles team to do that since 1950. Uh, Even without Hurts, they were able to do it, which to me was pretty surprising because he's usually good for, you know, 50, 60 yards a game. But he wasn't in there, and yet the Eagles did because Sanders ran it 24 times for a buck 20. And uh, I think that's how they're going to do it again, whether Minshew or Hertz is in there. You know, they're going to use Minshew like they did with the Jets, come out, throw the ball a little bit early, short passes, get him into a rhythm. And then as they start to add points to the scoreboard, slowly take the air out of the ball and run it like they did against the Jets late. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's just going to be the same game plan they're going to try to use and just lean on that offensive line uh, to get that done. I, I Look, all I'm saying is I was skeptical at first when Jalen Hurts came out and said he was going to play against the Jets and then Gardner Minshew played. I thought, yeah. you know, maybe they do want to evaluate Minshew. And then I talked to you. We we had the whole entire episode and I completely changed my mind because of the way that you, you completely changed my mind. And it was perfect. I, th- I had other people saying you did so as well. If Jalen Hurts does not play this week and you read into it more than the fact that they have three games in 13 days and he's and his ankles on 100%, especially as you just heard Ed talk about how he's seen him at practice. You're reading too much into it, my friends. Stop. Relax. They don't think Gardner's the guy. Right. They, they're all in on Jalen and seeing if Jalen can be the guy. His mobility is such a huge factor, and as John McMullen said himself, I think was a great point. They evaluate his injury differently than they evaluate other quarterbacks in the past. It's just the truth. And they have to. He's a complete dual threat, and his mobility is more of a factor than his passing at this point. So his ankle needs to be good because they need those legs and that mobility to last the rest of the stretch of the season so they can make the playoffs. Yeah, That's all it is. That's why I'm okay with Gardner starting, and that's why you should not read into it anything more than that. But, Ed, last thing before we end off this episode real quick. There's this debate going on, and I think that would be great for us to discuss it because you are a huge Michael Parsons fan. There's this debate going on that the Eagles made the incorrect pick or that they should have took the more value pick. I think Jeff McLean is the one from the Inquirer that's, that sparked this whole entire debate. They should have took the more value pick and Mark Michael Parsons uh, with that first-round pick instead of Devontae Smith, and I think that's completely silly. And the reason why I think it's silly is because, first of all, we're lacking context. If the Dallas Cowboys had any inclining, any indication that the, the Eagles were going to take Michael Parsons with that pick that they traded to him, they wouldn't have made that trade. Michael Parsons was the guy that Dallas targeted all along. That's the guy that they were going to draft. They might have won corner, but they were going to go Michael Parsons. 
I felt they were going to go Michael Parsons. I, they really seemed to be enamored with Michael Parsons, but that's another debate. Anyways, if the Cowboys had any indication that the Eagles weren't to make that pick, they would not have made that trade. Simple. And I know, I mean, of course, Howie Roseman had to tell, they had to tell Jerry what they were picking. They had to tell him. They had to say, this is who we want. Now, could he have lied to him? Of course. This is this is a business, you know. Shady stuff happens all the time. At, you know how he was rated the most weasel GM of them all. I think in the in that rankings of GMs that they did for Sports Illustrated. Like, but he didn't. He took Devonte Smith, and the Cowboys at the time chose they rather have the Eagles have Devonte Smith than the Giants. That was simple for them. They they decided you know it'd be. It'd be would be way more better if he was with the Eagles than he would be at the Giants. Let's let's let the Eagles have him, and they made that trade. So, no way, shape, or form was Michael Parsons to the Eagles possible, anyways, in my opinion, because Cowboys were going to take him regardless, and they would not have given up that pick to the Eagles if they knew the Eagles wanted him. So, forget that. Now, let's look at Devontae Smith. And what he brings to the Eagles and what what he's been doing. He's about to take... Uh, he's going to break Deshaun Jackson's rookie record for receiving yards, I believe, still. Even with the, even with the way that Jalen Hurts is playing, even with the way Gardner Minshew didn't target him against the Jets, I still think he's going to break that. He's on pace, too. I still think he can. I I really hope they end the season with on a high note with him anyways, regardless. Because I'll take whatever... The production he gave me right now, I'll take. Leading receiver last year was Travis Fogel with 569 yards. They have 700 out of Devontae already. He's a rookie. But yeah. here's another thing that everybody forgets is what he doesn't do in the box score. Run blocking. Other than J-Jaw, I think he's been their best run blocking receiver, period. Period. Two, he keeps defensive coordinators up at night. For as long as Jeremy Macklin's been on this team, because I don't believe teams really considered Alshon Jeffrey a threat. Post-Chicago, I don't think they did. Since Jeremy Macklin, no team has game planned against the Eagles receivers. They don't need to. They can take them out of the game regardless, just being their own, sticking to their scheme. I've noticed on multiple occasions, teams are scheming for Devontae Smith. And he's a rookie. He's a rookie. The Eagles haven't had that since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. That is huge for this offense. You know, that's still trying to figure it out passing the ball-wise. They have that guy. They have that alpha. They have that the guy that keeps defensive coordinators up at night that they have to game plan for, that they have to try to take out of the game. He creates so much more for your offense that only Dallas Goddard really has been the benefactor for or taking advantage of. Excuse me, that's what I should say. Taking advantage of. So to question this pick to me or if the Eagles made the right decision, of course, Michael Parsons is a great player. Of course, I would love to have a, an edge rusher that, that brings 10 plus sacks per season. But are you telling me you trust John DeGannon to use Michael Parsons correctly when I can't even understand what he's doing now? Dan Quinn's been around this league for multiple years. He's very experienced. He's the guy who should have his hands on Michael Parsons right now, to be honest with you. John DeGannon, I'm not so sure, is getting the same production out of him. You know, talent overrules at the end of the day. Michael Parsons would be a great player for this defense, but where this team is at right now, right now, going into this, going into that draft, they needed Devontae Smith more, in my opinion. They really did. And now they're in position with these three first round picks to not even just take three players. I think they can move up and get that one player they really like defensively. 
get that Kyle Hamilton star type player. You know, I think the Eagles can do that. Now they can do that this year. They couldn't afford to do so last year. They needed this Devontae Smith type alpha receiver uh, to be the the vocal point um, of keeping defensive coordinators up at night to game plan for it, to open everything up for the rest of the offense. They needed that guy. They never had it since Jeremy Macklin, and they finally got in Devontae Smith, who's going to be, and with all humble opinion, because I love Jeremy Macklin. He's a great player, great guy. He's really great for this Eagles team, but Devontae, Devontae Smith is going to be better. So I, the Eagles made the correct decision, in my opinion. That's just my debate. That's my side of the debate. I think it's so silly that we're discussing it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, why do you think the Eagles needed the number one wide receiver. It's a passing arrow league. They they whiffed on Jalen Rager in they the did. previous year. Had they gotten it right, it, yes. and you know, listen, we could talk ad nauseum about the Justin Jefferson versus Jalen Rager. I and I hear that debate online. I see people say it all the time. If they would have taken DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson, Carson Wentz is still here, and there would have been no position to, to even be drafting Michael Parsons. Well, see, I. Yeah, the DK Metcalf well, thing I, I, doesn't bother whatever me. About Carson Wentz. There, there, there was a lot of red flags around DK Metcalf. There was a lot of steroid issues swirling. Or Terry McLaurin. If you get the right receiver both those years, you're not taking Devontae Smith. Is 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 what people are making the point of? Even, even if you get it right, right one of those years, you're not taking Devontae Smith. Uh, I the Eagles wanted. There were five players the Eagles liked in this draft, and Michael Parsons wasn't in that five. Um. It was Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, and the two cornerbacks, Sertan and J.C. Horn. And four of those guys were gone after the first nine picks. So they wanted Devontae Smith, and they knew the Giants were going to take him. I mean, just think if they would have stayed put, the Cowboys would have taken Parsons, the Giants would have taken Smith, then who do the Eagles take at 12? So they moved up to get one of the players that they really liked, that they had ranked in the top five on their board, and that was Devontae Smith. They had given really no thought to taking Micah Parsons. I mean, they they watched him, they talked to him and all the pre-draft stuff, but he, he wasn't the guy they were going to take. Um, it, it's just the way they feel about, uh, you know, that position. And, and you're right. I don't know if they evaluated him as a pass rusher, you know, that could play on the edge – or if he was just a straight linebacker. I'm not sure how they evaluated him, but um, I'm a big defensive guy. I like guys that can wreck offensive game plans, and Parsons looks like that guy. But you're right about Smith. The Eagles weren't going to take Parsons. They traded with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys did it knowing the Eagles weren't going to take Parsons at 10. There might even have been a wink-wink with uh, Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones and Howie Roseman that, no, we're, we're taking Devontae, and that's why you should trade with us. Um, but yeah, listen, Devonte Smith, you, you talked about all his attributes and the, the one other thing about Devonte is he, he is a legitimate team player as a wide receiver. You know, we see a lot of these receivers, you know, kind of with that prima donna attitude, throw me the ball, this kind of thing. But, you know, Devonte said repeatedly that if they're winning and they're running the ball a hundred times a game and not throwing it, and we've seen that, right. We've seen the Patriots do that with Mac Jones. They won a game. We saw the Colts on on Saturday night, do that. Wentz only threw the ball for 57 yards. He just handed it to Jonathan Taylor. Um, so Smith is okay with that. You know, a lot of receivers wouldn't be okay with that. And and Smith is more than willing to accept whatever role he has in the game. And sure, he'd like to catch the ball more. He did it, you know, 120 plus times in Alabama in his last year, and he won a Heisman. But 
you know, he he's not the kind of player that's going to say, throw me the damn ball like Keyshawn Johnson did decades ago. I mean, he's a guy that's happy with his role and he'll pass or he'll run block for you. He'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, and, and he's okay with that. And I love that approach. I love that attitude. And then when you do go to him, he has the ability to make make plays. And, you know, to me, he's a he's a legitimate number one receiver. And it's something this team hasn't had since maybe Terrell Owens and you know, maybe Jeremy Macklin was the number one to Sean Jackson, but it's been a long time uh, since they had this kind of player. So I, I'm I'm not questioning this pick at all. The Eagles needed him, and they needed him because, you know, they kind of screwed up the last couple drafts at that position, and they needed a number one receiver, and now they got it. And to do it, they ended up picking up another, one, another number one pick next year, and whether they use all three or not, the fact is now they have them, and now they have options, and it's always good to have options. So – you know, maybe you can find that defensive playmaker with one of those picks if it requires moving up to get, you know, like you say, Kyle Hamilton. I think they need help at that spot. Also at defensive end, very thin at that spot. You know, there's George Karlaftis and Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, some good pass rushers in this draft. So, you know, I expect that that's direct, the direction they'll go is pass rush safety or safety pass rush, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have any problem with Devontae Smith over Micah Parsons. It's so easy to sit here and say, Oh, look at Parsons. He's doing great. And yeah. Okay. He is. And looks like a hall of famer, but Smith was the right guy at the right moment for this team. And that's what they did. That's what they chose to do. And I don't have an issue with it. I like his approach. I like his ability. And, and I like the fact that he's only going to get better too. Like Micah Parsons will. I'll admit I was dead wrong about Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's doing a phenomenal job. That Cowboys defense. They're one of the best in the league. Yeah. Doing well. I mean, they've got some stars on that Cowboys team. You know, Randy Gregory's playing well. Demarcus Lawrence is back. You have Micah Parsons. Trayvon Diggs is intercepting everything that, that's thrown his way. And yeah. offensively, they have C.D. Lamb, who I love. Um, you know, Dak, I guess, is kind of struggling. But, you know, C.D. Lamb's a talent. Michael Gallup is going to be a free agent. Um, you know, maybe he comes to Philadelphia, but you know, listen, I, I like that Cowboys team. They've done a good job where they've done a good job is picking guys early where, you know, in the first couple rounds, whereas the Eagles haven't done as good a job of that, but they do a better job in the later rounds. Look, I'll tell you right now, if the Eagles take Justin Jefferson, it should not preclude them from trying to get Devonte Smith. Hmm. Look, uh, yeah. what, look what I, you know, Justin Jefferson's a great, he's a top five receiver right now. And I was incredibly wrong about him. In terms of taking Jalen Rager over him, they should have. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, but what helps Justin Jefferson a lot, and he's the first person that says it to you, is having Adam Thielen. And what helped him a lot in college was having Jamar Chase. You know, this era of football is you need two guys because you know, Ed, if you if you gauge Eagles fans online right now and say who do you think the Eagles should draft with these for, uh, three first round picks. I guarantee you 80% of them mention a receiver. It's it, This is just the league we're in. You need two good, at least we need one very good guy and you need at least bare minimum and uh, above average guy in this passing area of league. And I know they have Goddard. I know that the Goddard counts mm-hmm. as the second receiver, but uh, you know, we're talking about Joan Rager and Quez Watkins failing to take advantage of, of uh, the opportunities this year. You know, talent does come into that conversation. I do think the Eagles need another guy, and that's a, you. We just said it them yourself. You, maybe they should target Michael Gallup in free agency. So I, they they do need another guy. That's I don't know if the Eagles are in position to get um, 
Devontae Smith if they draft Justin Jefferson because I think that changes a little bit of the win-loss total a little bit. But that's, again, a different conversation for a different day. Yeah. I just wanted to have this debate with you about if the Eagles made the right decision or not. I'm glad that, you know, we seem to see it both ways. Uh, it's just crazy to me. You know, the Patrick Sertain, the second, is somebody the Eagles really wanted. Uh, I know that for a fact. That's who I mocked him in our SI's mock draft. And he didn't happen. He went to Denver. Mm-hmm. The best thing that Devontae could have done for the Eagles is show him, hey, you guys got the right guy because he mossed the heck out of Patrick Sertain uh, the second in, in that Denver game. And Patrick Sertain is the second best corner in coverage-wise this year behind J.C. Jackson. It, it, what Devontae Smith is is an incredible talent, and for the Eagles, are going to be very happy with him for years to come. And I think a lot of people that are questioning it now or, or saying that Micah was the right pick are going to eat their words. That's all I'm going to say. And I also want to end the show with saying that if I could make that Carson Wentz trade again and do it all over again, I would in a heartbeat. I would in a heartbeat. I, I, Frank Reich knows him better than anyone in the world, and he, he hides him a lot this season. You know, his stats and his box scores, scores would indicate otherwise. You know, that touchdown interception ratio is amazing. 22 touchdowns to six interceptions. He's doing well. He, he's doing well in a play, in an atmosphere that fits him better than Philadelphia did. He's doing well in a situation that fits him better than Philadelphia did. Uh, I would make that trade 10 times over again if I could. Yeah, well, they had to. I mean, you know, they, they, they had weren't to. Gonna bring but them, even yeah. if they didn't have to, I would do it. I would yeah. make that trade 10 times over again because I think the Eagles can need to go in a different direction at quarterback than what Carson Wentz could have been this year and years going on. I do yeah. think so now from what I'm seeing it in Indianapolis this year. Uh, I think it was the right move. Yeah. I well, yeah, I mean they had to deal it deal and Carson wasn't happy. He wanted out. You don't want a right. player in the locker room like that. Now had things That's gone differently and he would have played better in twenty twenty. Uh then yeah, he's probably still with the Eagles, but things happened for that reason and he had to go. And I think Howie did a great job getting a number one draft pick for him. That's what you drafted him in the first round. He helped you win a Super Bowl in twenty seventeen. And now you get a first rounder back uh, for him. So I think it was a great deal. And, you know, to cross lines and look at what the 76ers are doing with Ben Simmons and their general manager, Daryl Morey. I mean, Simmons is completely unhappy, but, you know, the general manager screwed it all up. He should have gotten rid of him. So that's where you got, that's where you give Howie credit is he was able to turn Carson Wentz into a number one draft pick. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I, Wentz may not be the player we thought he was, but he's a good. Game manager capable of making plays when he has to. He's a good uh, starting quarterback. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, he is. And he's got a great running game. Jonathan Taylor's could you could make a case Jonathan Taylor's the MVP of the league. He's the MVP of that offense. That's my point. Well, yeah. I don't but, know. And you know, that was a question that would always happen in Philadelphia. You know, as much as we support him, we always question can he lead this team? Can he pick put the team on the back of his shoulders and lead and lead it? And 2019 was the best answer we got from that. And it was barely it. And he, guess what happened? He got knocked out of the game. And to no fault of his own. Javadian Connolly spearheaded him. There was no to no fault of his own. But if that was your best answer, because now he's not the vocal point in offense. Jonathan Taylor is. The coach that knows him best is, you know, making him play second fiddle to the vocal part of the offense. So my point is, where the Eagles are heading, they need a guy to be the guy. They need to find their Justin Herbert. They need to find 
they're Dak Prescott. They need to find that guy that you know leads the whole entire. You know, I'm talking about it. The guy that sure. just starts it all and ends it all. I don't Kenny think Carson Pickett. is that guy. Kenny Pickett could be that guy. That's what's curious about this draft. It's going to be interesting to watch. That's for another episode. Process. I know. <laughs> That's for another episode of this offseason. Right now, we're going to watch Jalen Hurts for now. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it so much. Again, we'll be back soon. You can find us on Eagle Maven, Sports Illustrated, wherever you get your Eagles coverage. John McMullen, Ed Kras, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.